Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we do have to let the stream breathe just for a second while we bring on our growing Facebook audience. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kalberman. Zach, the Broncos, this game started off on extremely unsettling footing. Drew Locke, interception on his first possession, but from there, it was it was all downhill, so to speak, in a good way. The Broncos yeah. bounced back, ended up defeating the Dolphins, and this was a game in which the Broncos were home dogs, four point dogs at home, and uh, Drew Lock got it done. I mean, he his stats don't look phenomenal. We'll go through it in terms of the box score, but after that second possession, is what I'll say. After that second possession, he found his groove and looked like a completely different player than the quarterback we had seen in the previous three games, including the Chargers game. Yeah, this was, um, I'm not going to say a statement victory for Drew Locke. I'm not going to say it was a career saver for Drew Locke, but it certainly gave him some momentum going forward. And, and you're happy for the kid. You're happy for the Broncos offense. You're happy for the entire operation because you finally got to see a glimpse of what everything could be like when they fire on all cylinders. And that starts with the coaching. If I hate on them for the coaching, I got to credit them for the coaching. Pat Shermer, far and away, called his best game of the season. He utilized the run, rollout, he actually threw some screens, uh, he got the whole mojo going, Chad, and everything worked in unison with unity, and you saw what could happen. So it, it, it wasn't the most impressive game by the box score, but if you watch the game, you know the Broncos dominated the Dolphins, one of the hottest teams in the NFL, on defense especially, but the offense did their part as well. Big breakaway runs by their Pro Bowl running backs. Melvin Gordon, again, another fumble, as many fumbles now as rushing touchdowns. That's always going to be that type of player. Philip Lindsay far and away is the Broncos' best running back, but Melvin Gordon certainly adds a different element as well. And in tandem together, then you have Locke complementing that by sprinkling passes down the field. This offense could still be something. I'm very much impressed today by this Broncos victory. It showed that when you make a concerted effort to assert the running game and to figure out how to feature Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, it actually comes out in the wash to your benefit. Pat yes. Shermer, for whatever reason, over the last few weeks, man, he had completely just gotten out of whack with regard to balancing his game plan. 
And it wasn't just today against the Dolphins. It wasn't just a matter of the number of runs that the Broncos did. I mean, I'm just looking here off off the uh, box score. Gordon had 15 carries. Lindsey had 16. Pretty even uh, distribution of the touches there. It was how Shermer changed things up in terms of not just running the same old, same old inside zone, outside zone, back and forth. And it put the Dolphins on their heels because no one had seen that yet as far as this Broncos offense and its rushing attack. So that was good to see. I was troubled, though, as you and I hopped off the halftime stream, the rapid reaction stream. We watched the Broncos march down the field in the third quarter and get within scoring range. They, you know, they come up short on third down, and they opt, uh, they opt to go for it on fourth and one. Gordon gets stopped short. It's three points. That it, would, it would have been a gimme for, for Brandon McManus. It almost came back to haunt them in the fourth quarter. Thankfully, Justin Simmons gets the pick, seals the win. But so it's like you see you see steps forward from this coaching staff in terms of making good decisions and and wherewithal and competency and discernment. And then it's that one step backward each and every time. I want to see this. This I'm with you. This was a strong win. This is a win that should be confidence inspiring for this entire team. But it's it's it falls short of being a statement win just because. You know, there's there's a few plays and a few decisions on the coaching staff's part that you want back. It's it's still an un, we still haven't seen a full sixty minutes, but still, man, Broncos fans have to be riding high after this one, Zach. I think you can definitely make the case, though, uh, this was a defensive statement win for Vic Fangio. I mean, considering the when you allow 37 points to the, the rival Raiders and you come in facing a hot quarterback who's undefeated, a surging Dolphins team that's in the playoff hunt, and you hold him to, what, 100 passing yards, if that, and you force his benching for Ryan Fitzpatrick, you force one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now to yank their first-round rookie quarterback in place of the veteran that they sat him for in the first place. I've killed Fangio this year for his lack of blitzing, his lack of aggressiveness, the Broncos' lack of turnovers. It was all there today. Even Simmons came up big in the end zone. They forced the game-stealing interception. The run defense was stout. They didn't blow assignments. Everyone played well in unison. The defensive line, Chad, missing Jerome Casey, missing Shelby Harris, missing Mike Purcell, Demarcus Walker, Deshaun Williams, uh, Draymond Jones, Bill Collar is the GOAT. And when everything works together, you get the production, you get the coaching. This Broncos team is a lot more lethal than people give them credit for. It's a shame it took them all this time to put it together. But if they can just use this identity now, this aggressive, hard-nosed defense with a a dual-threat offense through the air and on the ground, they can make some noise over the duration of the season. I mean, even Sylvester Williams got in on the production side. He got banged up in the first half, but he had a nice tip. Uh, tipped pass, Bill Kalari, you're right, man. He does a great job coaching that D-line. And one of the things he emphasizes is, hey, if you can't get home, get those get those hands up and, and coaching these guys and teaching them how to kind of have the right feel for when and how to get their hands up. And it, it has paid dividends for this team over the – I guess this is his sixth year now that he's been in Denver, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, this is his sixth year for Bill Kalari. So I tip my cap to him, and you're right, man. It, this was a – it would take a village type of effort from that D-line, and the village came through. And it also was helpful, Zach, that you had Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed playing like fire. And this ties into Mr. Castillo's super chat here. We're, we're going to get to these as many as we can right now because it's going to be a very active night. Appreciate that super, and it's good to see you, Mr. Castillo. He says, the defense was great, but the game ball today has to go to the big boys up front. Great point, Zach. This was something that we discussed uh, earlier on the game thread at milehighhill.com, it was a big theme. The Broncos offense, uh, the offensive line, looked like a completely different unit today. 
And yes. Graham Glasgow, you know, he he ended up going. He started. He didn't finish the game from what I from what I saw on the television broadcast. But what a bounce back! You want to talk about a statement game? This was a statement game for that offensive line because before I serve this back over to you, this is a this is a team that not only produced huge total yards. Let me just go through this. They had 459 total yards, and 189 of them, Zach, were rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, we've ragged on them for Dalton Reisner's regression. Graham Glasgow, who actually played today through an injury. Uh, Cushenberry, who's been up and down as a rookie center. But they all played well in unison. But I think the the defining picture of the Broncos' offensive line effort today was Garrett Bowles pulling. Garrett Bowles being, he looked like Larry Allen out there, lead blocking. I mean, he was really a massive player, literally and figuratively, for this Denver offense. And again... Because it's never just been one thing or the other. It's never just been Pat Shermer or Drew Locke or the offensive line. It's been everything. And everything today, though, clicked. Everything today worked in unison. So that's why you saw what they did today on the ground. They gave Drew Locke protection. He was hit a few times, but it wasn't anything devastating. He played through ribs, uh, you know, rib injury as well. When you get the production and when you get them to play disciplined football, the Denver offense, minus Cortland Sutton even, can still be pretty good. Stu Mead jumping in with a super sticker. Very generous. Really appreciate you, my friend. And he also mentions that uh, Garrett Bowles had a couple of nice plays in the running game, one of which was I loved seeing this suddenly this offense that was using traps and and pulling the tackles, pulling the guards, pulling the centers. It made a huge difference. It completely discombobulated the Dolphins because this had not been seen heretofore on tape. So tip of the cap, Garrett Bowles. And for what it's worth, bringing it back to the offensive line just for a second, then we got to grab matters of business. You know, this uh, Drew Locke was not sacked once in this game. The Dolphins were not able to get home and sack Drew Locke. So tons more to get to, obviously. We are just getting started here on tonight's Gut Reaction Huddle Up podcast. But we do have to take care of some quick matters of business, gang. First and foremost, this live stream brought to you by Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers the precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. You know what? I've used this now a few times. It is the nose hair trimmer. I think it's called the Weed Whacker, Chad, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's, it's very practical. And listen, guys, it's different than using the lawnmower when your face is apparent, when your face, especially for me for being on camera, if you have a nose hair peeking out, it's not the greatest looks. So you always want to get that. There's no, nothing taboo about, you know, getting your nose hair, getting your ear hair. It doesn't grab you. It doesn't hurt you. It's very painless, very seamless, very easy to use. It has a grip, good charge. I, I use this thing a lot, actually. And I would recommend for anyone who wants to keep their facial upkeep at its peak. That's why, too. I mean, the the nose hair thing, everyone knows. The older you get, the more you're growing. For for dudes, hair starts just growing out of weird places. You get more (laughs) nose hair, hair grows out of your ears. It just gets bizarre. The weed whacker is clutch. But also, Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer for below-the-belt trimming. The engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest trimmer for below-the-belt and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It's their third-generation trimmer, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce the grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when we say that this is a premium product, we mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, and it also has waterproof technology allowing you to groom in the shower. 
And I know it comes with a buzz, but I just want to show you real quick. It also has an LED light, which illuminates those grooming areas for a closer and more precise trim. This is a premium product. So if you're listening to us right now, we want you to experience this premium product for men's grooming firsthand yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get the nose hair. Get the ear hair. Get 20% off right now and free shipping with the code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. That's code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. Your uh, family jewels will thank you, Zach. And your nose and ears as well. Head on over again. Manscaped.com. Use the code HUDDLE. That gets you 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com. Code HUDDLE. And it's also an idea. Just putting it out there for the ladies in Broncos country. If you're looking for a good gift idea for your hubby, for your son, for your brother, etc. All right, a couple of quick matters of business, and then we'll dive right back into the stream. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Also, the main account, at MileHighHuddle. Also, a gentle reminder, head on over to the merch store and get your swag on. Get yourself a football priest hat, get an MHH hoodie. There's face masks, there's mugs, there's tees, there's tank tops. There's a little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. Shout out to our Facebook supporters. If you would like to become an official supporter of MHH on Facebook, it's easy. You just go to the page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. You'll see the big blue button, become a supporter. In fact, those of you watching right now on Facebook, at the bottom, you'll see the little uh, option where you would put in your comment if you want to become a supporter. We have some big things planned as soon as this week that we are unrolling uh, for our Facebook uh, official supporters. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. Each and every one of you, we do ask. Subscribe, first and foremost, especially crucial on YouTube, especially crucial on Apple Podcasts. Like this video, number two, and the litmus test is number three. If you think Zach and I are doing a good job for you, share this video out there. That is the surest way for us to be able to tell if we are doing a good job. Help us continue to grow, and MHH and the Huddle Up Podcast continue to grow at an exponential rate, and you can help that by sharing this out there to new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Hard Seltzer right now is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Never before has it been as easy and simple to make an impact and make a difference in this world. So whatever you're doing, here's how it works. By simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways gang are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. 
but through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Heart Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works, each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results? One billion, that's billion with a B, gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV. And Zach, it's only 90 calories. Chad, I got to be honest. It's always good tasting a Coors Hard Seltzer, but it just hits differently after the big Broncos upset of the Miami Dolphins. It's crisp. It's refreshing. It tastes good. And also leading him into my Thanksgiving celebration, Chad, it's even that much better. You heard it. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's serious. It's that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, let's dive right back in to the topics that are on everybody's mind. This is the gut reaction. and. It's, it feels nice, Zach, to have a gut reaction after these two weeks of depredations with the Atlanta and the the Vegas game uh, to have a victory to celebrate. And Kathy Lund, we love Kathy, great member of our community and a superstar, too, in this community. She says, hashtag pay bulls. Zach, this is now, what, 10 games? Is there any – do you have any doubt that this is a guy who is deserving of a – Long-term extension from the Broncos, Carte Blanche. And Chris Hernandez, 24-year veteran of the Air Force. We love you, my friend. Very generous super chat. Love you, you, dog. Um, But Garrett Bowles, your thoughts? You know, he had that, you know, rough game or questionable game a couple weeks ago, and I thought to myself, oh, well, is the old Garrett Bowles rearing his ugly head again? And he stabilized since then, and I just credited him for his blocking today. I think he deserves a contract. My my last worry with him is that he's playing this well because he wants a new contract. And what is going to happen when he gets his new contract, especially if it's Juwan James' market value contract as well. That's what scares me about investing in Bulls. Maybe a short-term deal, the franchise tag. He's more than deserved uh, another shot in Denver for next year and beyond. But it's the price and it's the length of the deal and the commitment they make to him that I question because it's never been about physical uh, talent with him or upside. He's always had that. It's about the mental. And I wonder what's his mental inspiration this year, being the best that he can be or landing his long-term contract and making the Broncos eat their words. You know, honestly, just knowing what I know about Garrett Bowles and his character and his backstory and the whole nine yards, I think that he, honestly, this is not a player who I'm as worried about the fact that his best play is coming in a contract year. I think this is a guy that frankly, was drafted as an extremely raw offensive tackle prospect, one year of playing left tackle at Division I level college football. And it took him some time to learn the ropes. And, you know, he did learn the ropes, and that's a credit to Mike Munchak. But not only is this guy a first-round pick, Zach, Garrett Bowles plays a foundational position. I mean, if you look at the the building blocks for a uh, Super Bowl-caliber roster, you got to find the franchise quarterback. That's still an open question. And you got to have – that franchise cornerstone left tackle. Now, 
Maybe yeah. that's not decided yet up in terms of Garrett Bowles being that guy, but you, your hands are tied, in my opinion, if you're John Elway. You gotta, at yeah. worst, you got to franchise tag him, but I would f- see what it would take to get him extended long-term. Yeah, because you don't know what's going on next year with Juwan James. There's so much uncertainty and the, the importance of the position of left tackle. Again, I, I saw a comment that I'm never cutting Garrett Bowles a break. I am cutting him a break. Me advocating for his long-term contract is big, coming from a, a, a critic like me of Garrett Bowles. Again, I just worry, though, if, is he going to shut down after he gets a contract? Is he going to check out? Will he go back to being the old Garrett Bowles? Chet, every time there's a penalty on offense, and when, right before they're about to announce the number, I'm still half expecting it to be 72. And I think when that goes away, I'll be 100% in on Garrett Bowles. And if he can maintain that next year after getting paid, uh, then I will say for sure that he's uh, definitely worthy. Jeff Hepner jumping in on Super Chat, a name we don't recognize on Super Chat. So thank you, Jeff. Welcome. Welcome indeed. He says, love you guys from California. Locke is not the problem. It's the coaching. Let the kid play and use motion. We have a franchise quarterback. Guys, I got to tell you, I want to be there right with you and say that Drew Locke is a franchise quarterback, but it, I'm just – there's been too much water under that bridge up to this point for me to just blow smoke up your skirt and tell you that, yeah, Drew Locke's the guy. It was extremely – I agree with you. The coaching, the, the coaching emphasis changed. The coaching creativity from a game planning and a play calling perspective changed utterly. His teammates stepped up. I mean, this was an offense that played extremely well for each other. I mean – across all 11 dudes and then some, right, including some of the guys that rotated in and out. But aside from Melvin Gordon's fumble and Drew Locke's interception, I can't really point upon first viewing, I can't really point to one person on that offensive uh, unit and say, this guy was a problem. You know, maybe a player two you'd want back, Jerry Judy could have caught one that Xavier Howard broke up or whatever. But this was a team that came together, and it coincided, Zach, you said, when it all comes together, this is a team that can be – you know, potent. This is a team that right. can contend with anybody when it all comes together. It's just frustrating that it's taken 11 weeks into the season for it to come together. And maybe that has something to, you know, in large part due to the injury bug and all the personnel losses this team has suffered. It's taken them some time to kind of get up to speed, but the talent's there. The horses are there. In my opinion, what's a bigger question isn't so much as Drew Locke the guy, it's is Pat Shermer the guy. And this was a step the first time I can honestly say in this season, the Pat Shermer has taken a step forward towards oh, yeah. mollifying that concern, mitigating that concern in my mind, assuaging the, the fears that he can maybe be the right guy for Drew. Yeah, very well said across the board, Chad. I'm definitely in agreement. The thing about the Broncos offense is, yeah, they weren't world beaters today. They weren't the Chiefs incarnate, but they don't ever really have to be. There's a lot of average offenses in the NFL, but all those teams don't have Vic Fangio's defense. So the Broncos don't have to be great, but when you see that they're competent and above average paired with this defense, they can make a lot of noise. To answer the question about Locke being a franchise quarterback, listen, the the truth after an emotional win or loss is always in the middle. Last week, it was everyone hates Drew Locke. Everyone should bench him. He's not the future. He's not the franchise. And now it's to see a franchise quarterback. The truth is somewhere in the middle. I think like Chad put it best, he took another step forward without taking two steps backward today. He has forward momentum. He's not exonerated for his past mistakes. He didn't play, you know, he didn't throw for 500 yards and four touchdowns. He wasn't perfect today, but he was a lot better, especially after the interception, than he's been the last few weeks. Is he a franchise guy? It's too soon to take, too soon to tell. Is he a bust? Too soon to tell. Let this season play out more because like Chad and I have been saying this entire time, it is a process. It is a roller coaster. You're going to have games like the Raiders game and you're going to have games like the Dolphins game today. It's going to be up and down consistently. 
Jesse, 13, jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. A bona fide superstar in our community. Appreciate your support. He says, ready to go down with the ship. Glad we won and glad the offense played better, in all caps. Great job, defense, and solid hit, Bulls. Hashtag go Broncos. Yeah, that uh, that one lead block that we already touched on where he kicked to the right. Uh, who was it? Was it Howard he might have blocked there? I mean, he just decimated the dude. And, of course, you know, he's 305 pounds or whatever, and the DB is probably 180. So, yeah, do the math. But absolutely encouraging. And, look, Broncos fans should be encouraged because this was – this is something I talked about in uh, a video, sit down with Kim Becker, wrote a whole article about it with regard to Vic Fangio. This is the game that was going to tell us have the wheels completely flown off the bus here. This is going to be kind of a referendum of sorts on Vic Fangio. And they answered the bell, and that should be encouraging. Yeah, big time. They haven't quit on Vic Fangio. The locker room is not as fractured as you know some fans and media speculated it might have been. But, Chad, that's always – Vic Fangio really had a good quote. He said, winning cures more than penicillin. And it really, really is true. When you win, you cover up so many flaws, so many deficiencies, so many narratives, so many storylines. It really deodorizes the stink of a bad loss. And after last week's loss, an upset win of the Dolphins today was just what the doctor ordered for Fangio. All right, John, we need uh, Red John and Smith Corona if you have them. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate that super John means a lot to us, my yeah. friend. He says, horse emoji, rooster emoji, <laughs> lock emoji. Great win. Hopefully this is the turning of the tide. Go Broncos. P.S. I'm all about this dude, Deshaun yeah. Williams. Yeah, man. I mean, you never know, Zach. And sorry if I'm, I'm sweating here a little bit because I just realized I made a grievous error wearing a hoodie right now because once this light comes the on, light. Yeah. <laughs> sweating. But, um, you know, as far as the turning point, like you never know for an NFL team when that – pivotal moment can come like if it's going to come when it's going to come and for the Broncos you you would have hoped that it would have come sooner in the season if it was going to come this year week 11 it's it's kind of late I mean technically at four and six now they they're still in the hunt but man they got to overcome just six games basically they got to be perfect to to really put themselves in in position for the playoffs I'm not quite there yet Zach to even start thinking that way these last two games really kind of dug that dug that hole but still, man, this was this could be that turning point. We got to see him do it again, though. What is that next week? The Saints, right? Week twelve right. in Denver, so it'll be interesting. The Drew Breesless Saints with Taysom Hill, who he threw the worst deep ball I think in NFL history today. And if the Broncos play like they did today on offense and defense, they can beat the Saints. I'm not even thinking playoffs. It's not even really a gold mine anymore. It would it be great if they snuck a wild card seed? Yeah. But if Locke can prove that he's taking forward momentum into 2021, and maybe even that Pat Shermer, the light bulbs finally went off in his mind, the defense is coming together. If they can at least establish that from this season, playoffs are secondary. Answering whether Locke and this offense is a thing going forward is number one in my book. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Industry leading, difference making, tomorrow shaping, world changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. 
Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. Corona, there he is. Appreciate you, my friend. By the way, Smith, if you're on Twitter, reach out and connect with us because we'd love to be able to shout you out after this show and after each and every show. Uh, but I'd search for you, can't find you, connect with us. Appreciate you. He says, game balls for the boys in the trenches. Great run game, despite a certain $16 million oh. running back fumbling the ball yet again. Definitely game ball. This is the first time you're able to kind of catch the vision of what John Elway, Vic Fangio, Mike Munchak had for this offensive line. Garrett Bowles, dominant. Uh, Dalton Reisner, dominant. Lloyd Cushenberry, not looking like a cent- a rookie center. Uh, Graham Glasgow, playing hurt, banged up. Uh, without studying the tape, I can't say for sure. But DeMar Dotson, solid. This solid. was this this is a building block this team can really kind of rally around. I mean, having stability and and cohesion and just competence on the offensive line works wonders because suddenly your running game is productive and your quarterback has time to throw, which opens up all kinds of possibilities. Time to throw. How about time to step up into the pocket and not drift back? And, and, and good things happen when that happens. It's amazing when the Broncos offensive line protects their quarterback, what could happen? In terms of the defensive, let me just to hop on the last question uh, about Deshaun Williams. Can we just thank Vance Joseph? It's one of the few good things Vance did during his tenure was bring him over from Cincinnati. He knew Deshaun. That was always his kind of boy. And uh, Bill Kalar has really manufactured him into a pretty lethal pass rusher. Him and Draymond Jones really make Jarrell Casey expendable. I know it's appropriate to nothing right now, but these young defensive linemen is another little um, minor footnote of what could be a positive for this season. Definitely shout out to your boy, Deshaun, because not only is he getting his first meaningful NFL action in 2020 after just being a, you know, this is a, a true road warrior, right? Just getting signed, getting cut. I mean, it's been half a dozen times, maybe more, that he's been handed walking papers in the NFL. And the Broncos cut him three times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's got an interception this year as a defensive <laughs> lineman. Two sacks today. I mean, it, he is up there in terms of the, the feel-good stories of, of the year in the NFL. Definitely Denver's feel-good story of the year. Just love seeing that. Uh, Dale Rude jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super chat. Connect with us on Twitter, my dog. He says, super excited to hear from the football priests. Chad and Zach. Thank you, Appreciate Dale. that, Dale. And we are, of course, excited to talk with you. So appreciate the support, my friend. Um, John, we have a couple in a row from Josh Alstrom. I don't know if you have access to those. I can I can do the old end around on the back end. Okay, good. Josh, appreciate you, my friend. He says, Locke, his deep throw accuracy is bad and not just this game. I agree that it hasn't been good, especially yeah. this season. Like, oddly enough, as a rookie, he was much more – pinpoint as a deep ball thrower this year it's really wavered and I think most of that has to do with what's been going on between the years and the fact that he's been battling an injury and then suddenly the upswell of negative momentum uh, from outside the building media social media radio you name it fans included you know it's all combined for him to to just not be as good as he could be but this was if you're Drew Locke this is another game where it's like look man his stats today, okay, and, and again, this he he played well, and and you don't want to be a box score, uh, you know, scout, but his stats aren't anything to write home about, and yet the Broncos got a win, eighteen of thirty, two hundred seventy yards passing and a pick, 
finished with a QB rating of 75 yards, and then he also chipped in Zach 23 yards rushing on the ground, including a 14-yard pickup on third and 14 to move the chains, which led to that first touchdown. So if you're Drew Locke, this is the type of game where it's like, hey, man, I know what I can do. I know what I can be. I can I can help this team. I can be the guy. I don't have to put it all on myself. And I think hopefully this is a telegraphed message to Pat Shermer as well. Drew is not Peyton Manning. You can't open the game and call 10 uh, out, of, out of your first 10 snaps, have eight of them be passes. Like you need to balance this thing out. And fortunately, the offense, uh, the running game and the offensive line, it all came together today. But without that, I shudder to think what may have happened. I'm just glad that it did happen and appreciate you, Josh. What would have happened is they would have thrown 47 times like last week and would have lost again. When they kind of limit Drew Locke's passing attempts and lead on the running game, good things tend to happen. And you can maybe excuse his accuracy today because it wasn't good on the deep ball attempts on his rib injury, which makes it tough to kind of set back. He's also still battling the eight, the, the joint in his throwing shoulder injury. I mean, he's dealing with two injuries or ailments that really impact how far he can stretch and move and maneuver, but it's never been a strength of his game. His accuracy has always been questionable at best. Today, he just needs some more touch on his balls. I noticed they were just like straight lines, Chad, when he throws a deep ball. He needs a little more air under them, and that comes with coaching, I feel like. Good coaching and repetition. Josh Allen, same thing in Buffalo. I know that's a popular comparison for Drew Locke. He had accuracy issues as well. You can coax that out of a uh, inconsistent, you know, gunslinging quarterback like Locke, but it's it's encouraging that he stepped up today. He read his reads, didn't lock on to a guy after the first pick, and he delivered some strikes down the field. If he could just correct the deep balls, He'll be in good shape. Also uh, from Josh here, he says, pay A.J. and Simmons. I don't know about A.J. A.J. had a few plays today, but earlier this week, he was made available to us in media. He had a Zoom presser, and he was basically asked to kind of grade his season so far, and he's like, yeah, I've been solid, but he brought up the fact that he doesn't have any of those game-changing takeaways. And Zach, the football gods delivered him one like right in the freaking kisser today. Fitzpatrick just mails it straight to him, like hand delivered right into the breadbasket on uh, his first drives. Uh, Fitzpatrick's, did I say Fitzsimmons? Fitzpatrick's first drive. And he drops it. So it's unfortunate. I think Johnson is trending towards being that guy that you you keep around long term. And and, uh, he's definitely a solid two down thumper. Simmons, though. It's a tough situation because you've got Bowles that needs to get paid and Simmons. Both of them ha- have been game changers. Uh, well, Bowles has been a game changer all year long. Like he's been the one thing keeping that offensive line humming. Simmons, hot and cold, but now I'm starting to trend more towards he's he's a guy deserving of some of this all pro, pro bowl buzz that he's been garnering, even though his first quarter of the season was forgettable. Like he was not good right. in the first quarter, but he's got four picks this season and uh, he could have had two today. If a ticky tack call on AJ Bouye isn't uh, isn't made by these refs, you have to pay Simmons and Bowles. You have to pay Shelby Harris. You want to pay Philip Lindsay. You like to pay Malik Reed, who's earned a new contract. I feel like they have to make some decisions. And when it comes to someone like AJ Johnson, who is more known for his run support, is he a three down linebacker? And is he an elite three down linebacker? Is he willing? Are you willing to reset the market for AJ Johnson? And I like him a lot as a run stuffer. I like what he brings to the defense. I don't think right now he's worthy of a $12 million a year investment over four years. I don't think he's that type of linebacker. He's an upgrade over Todd Davis as a run support guy, but him and Josie Jewell are kind of like mirrored players. So he's not a guy I would invest in. He's still under contract, Chad. You, you own him for next season. 
Uh, in terms of Justin Simmons, I think he's going to get a contract. To me, he still hasn't been worthy of like being top three highest paid, maybe highest paid for sure, but he still makes those plays, and he's still more prone to making those plays than not making those plays. And I would pay Justin Simmons any day over Kareem Jackson. I think they're two different safeties, and Simmons is the more, obviously, the bigger playmaker. And, and, and Jackson, 33 years old and really starting to show it, still makes plays close to the line of scrimmage and in the box. But That's really it, though. Yeah. You, anyway, let's grab Dale, bona fide superstar and an wow. MHH Mount Rushmore member. Thank His you, face is etched up there in uh, MHH Mount, uh, Mount Rushmore. Appreciate you, Dale. Living in paradise across the Pacific in Hawaii. Really appreciate your generosity, my friend. He says, "Good to see. Good to get a W." I agree. The play calling was more diverse, and it took pressure off Locke. Allowed players to get involved. This happening in week 11 is on Shermer. Defense, game ball, let's rip off six more straight wins. And, Zach, I agree in terms of the, you know, this was so, about, about his players, allowing the players to get involved. This was something that I talked about um, on, a, on a video on YouTube and milehighhuddle.com with Kim Becker, I want to say it was on Friday. The fact that Drew Locke and Pat, I think Pat Shermer was putting too much on Drew, and Drew's just too young in his developmental curve to, to shoulder all that. There, let him play within yourself, play within the scheme, utilize and lean on this talent around you. You don't have to do it all yourself. Even without Cortland Sutton, this is an extremely talented offense. KJ Hamler making plays today, Jerry Judy making plays, Noah Fant making plays, Timmy P making plays, and then of course the two running backs going off. I wouldn't say maybe going off is the wrong word, but very productive. Both had 80 plus yards rushing, and then Gordon could have had three touchdowns if he doesn't fumble. But nevertheless, I concur with Dale here that. You know, the, the defense and the O-line, to me, get the game ball. And the it's got to be a message up the chain of command to Pat Shermer, Zach, that this is the model. Whatever your focus and your philosophy was for this game offensively, this needs to be the model moving forward because it paid some serious dividends. I mean, this was a team that, I mean, you take away that fourth and one in the third quarter, they ultimately chose to go for it. I mean, after that second possession, this was an offense that rarely was stoppable today by the Dolphins. And you mentioned all those playmakers, and the thing, the reason why they made plays today partly was that Pat Shermer put them in positions to make plays. His play calls were conducive to the Broncos' success today. And there's no, as we've been saying all along, it's never been one thing or another, but the coaching and the play calling has been so suspect. Pat Shermer today, he called screen passes, Chad. He called outside runs for Phillip Lindsay. He had Garrett Bowles pulling. Where has this Broncos offense been the entire season? So when you get your playmakers involved, good things can happen. And like I said on the halftime stream, even without Portland Sutton, even with rookie players everywhere, even with an erratic Drew Locke and a certainly an erratic Pat Shermer, they can still do enough damage to even the best defenses in the NFL. They have enough firepower. Tim Patrick is a great substitute for Cortland Sutton. Then you have two top flight rookie receivers. You have Noah Fant. You have two great running backs, or I would say one and a half great running backs. You can do a lot of damage. You can make a lot of hay. And if you just call the right plays to put them in those positions, this is what can happen. JL Avenger jumping in. Also shout out to Bronco Batman, who says, Drew Locke is my QB. Appreciate your support, Bronco Batman. And, and JL Avenger, I want to talk about Paradise. This is a cat that definitely lives in paradise down there in Costa Rica. And we missed one of JL's super chats on one of last week's streams. And uh, I said, we're, we're going to make it up to you. This is a dedicated member of our community. And he's another guy, Zach, that proves Broncos country is not a geographic location. 
it is in fact a state of being. It is wherever you are. JL Avenger, we love you, my friend. Really appreciate your generosity and support. He says, here is to you guys. I sent a message previously. A better play calling today, indeed, with all in all. A balanced game today. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Pura Vida, Costa Rica. Zach, to his point, it's amazing what kind of dividends can be paid when you get complementary football on the field, all three phases. Even though the special teams was, I'll say today was average, you know, no massive snafus. You still had one, maybe two penalties, at least one. But still, offensively and defensively, it was a complementary game. And I'll throw special teams in because you had Brandon McManus uh, nailing a field goal or two, and then you had Sam Martin booting the heck out of the uh, of the ball in the punting game. So, And then there's Bronco Batman again. So your thoughts? Well, minus you know, Deontay Spencer returning it out of the end zone. The special teams was, for Tom McMahon's unit, they were pretty good today. But you look at the offense, and I, we mentioned this on the halftime stream, the balanced approach, never too run-oriented, never too pass-happy. They dialed up 30 passes for Drew Locke today compared to 33 runs, including two by uh, Drew Locke for the Broncos' offense. Philip Lindsay got four carries last week. He got 16 carries today for 82 yards. I don't math, but that seems like a pretty good average, Chad. Melvin Gordon had 84 yards and two touchdowns. When you get the running game going, the offensive line can protect Drew Locke, and Pat Shermer's calling the right plays. This offense can be something. We've been saying it the entire offseason and season. Alex Salazar jumping in the stream, jumped over your, your super chat. We can't show the card itself, but we're showing your comment and your name. Love you, Alex. Appreciate you. Yeah. New, a new name to to the super chat, so welcome, welcome and, and thank you, my friend. He's just stoked. He says, "Let's go, Amen, my friend." And you know, this is a game that is was just. I'm so happy for Broncos country because you got Thanksgiving in the United States this week, and you want to have something to hang your hat on and really settle in and enjoy because it's been such an upside down year with the pandemic, and then of course the weird election, and then you got the Broncos not not starting off well mainly because of injuries and then here we are i'm just happy zach this team got a got a dub heading into and it's an upset dub i mean you beat a six and three team today granted a rookie quarterback but you beat a six and three team today that was red hot coming in this was well-deserved dub and that's why i wrote on twitter you can certainly make the case that this was the best win of the vic fangio era you can talk about the texans game last year you can talk about the patriots game this year the chargers game i think this was a statement win for his defense it's not the Dolphins of yore. This was the Dolphins of now, a 6-3 and three Dolphins team with an undefeated rookie quarterback, and they shut them down. So uh, very impressive win today. And I'm right there with you, Chad. I'm so happy for Broncos country. It's been a long process this season. Last week was among the rock-bottom moments of the Vic Fangio tenure, so it's almost like a, a juxtaposition. And I heard that, or I saw a comment that uh, Vic Fangio gave the game ball to Floyd Little after the fact, who's oh, being yeah. moved to hospice care. That's a nice, very nice touch by Vic Fangio. And, uh, of course, we wish our the Floyd family very well. The franchise, they called him, and the first bona fide Bronco Hall of Famer. Yeah, our, our thoughts and prayers definitely go out to Floyd Little and and uh, the, the, the Bronco family and, and Floyd's family. Behind me, you can see a ball up there, a sign ball on the uh, shelf. That's from Floyd Little, uh, bequeathed to me, gifted to me by the great Doc Bear. A lot of you might be uh, too young to remember It's All Over Fat Man, the website, but Doc Bear, who has written for Mile High Huddle, and he's kind of a professor emeritus here at MHH, but he, he gave me that ball as, as, as a kingly type of gift, and it's, it's Floyd Little. and So my thoughts and prayers are out to uh, Floyd Little as well. But gang, we're, we're going to uh, dive right back into the stream, but we got to also remind you that tonight's live stream – pod is brought to you as well 
by sportsbetting.com. Right now, gambling is legal in the state of Colorado. Sportsbetting.com is the no-brainer for sports fans. Here's why. You get the sharp odds and low juice. They have their own in-house bookmakers, which means they are not a third-party provider of odds. That's where the reduced juice, the best prices come into play. Hassle-free bonuses, which you can roll over. That bonus money is yours after you bet it one time, whereas other sites range from five to 30 times before you actually can use that money. And then you get 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the U.S. of A. But here's the kicker. Pay very close attention to this. At sportsbetting.com right now, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks. Not just one bet. It's all of your bets. Here's how it works. You play for a week. You make your bets. If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to 1000 bucks, and you can roll that over after one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle, which is how they know we sent you, and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, we are still just getting started here. We're 40 minutes in and we got a lot of comments, a lot of topics to get to. Kenneth Booker, still waiting for that email. I need your uh, I need your your deets, my friend. Um, where'd he go? Where'd Kenneth go? Um, reach out, milehighhuddle at gmail, and send me an email. I want to get you a shirt. I want to get you a hat. If it's a shirt you want, let us know what the size is, and we'll get that out to you, man. We just want a, a small thank you for how dedicated you've been supporting MHH and all the podcasts. It's not just Huddle Up. You support all the pods, and we really love and appreciate it. He says, uh, smart to run a play 
after Fant's suspect catch. Yes. And, you know, that's one thing I'll tip my cap to the Broncos on. At a, a few different points this year, it's been pretty consistent. When it's one of those in-question type of plays, Shermer and Locke, for the most part, it's been Locke, have been wise, Zach, to hurry up and get on top of the ball and snap it before it can really be reviewed. And there was one last week in Vegas and one again today. Well, after uh, Fangio's clock management snafus this year against Tennessee, against the Raiders, it's nice to see that there's better uh, situational management. That's something we've hammered the coaches about this year, not just Pat Shermer, but Fangio and Tom McMahon as well. Uh, the Broncos all around, it's hard to really nitpick for uh, a pretty – Dominant in a way victory, not by the box score, but they really took it to the Dolphins today. And I think they were the better team. And that started with the coaching, as it always does, Chad. It starts with the very top and all rolls downhill. Ian C. McClintock on Facebook. Appreciate you. He says, why did we go conservative after going up 2010 on offense? That's ridiculous. Zach, your thoughts. I, it's funny that this comment comes up because I said there's not much to nitpick. Yeah, when they got the ball back late in the fourth quarter, they went three and out. I think it was a Hamler screen and two uh, run plays. It was such an unimaginative series by Pat Shermer, and it was like concert. It was like playing not to lose. It was uh, prevent offense, so to speak. And that's that he was calling a great game up until that point. And I think he didn't want to have risk a lock turnover. He didn't want to do anything that would damage the game. But, you know, you'd like to see a little more aggressiveness than getting two yards and taking 30 seconds off the clock. That's what I was going to say is on one hand, like I agree with you. On the other, I understand the psychology here because Pat Shermer, I mean, if anything, over the last few games, Drew Locke has proved that, you know, you can't completely trust his decision making. And so you, you want to still call high – if you're going to call a passing play, you still want you want to call a – high percentage passing play where you're not putting too much on him and, you know, relatively simplified that late in the game. But I agree with you. Keep your, keep your foot on the gas. And on one hand, it's like, Hey, you know, the fourth and one decided trying to go for it in uh, the third quarter. That's a sign of a coaching staff trying to keep their foot on the gas. If you're going to do that, does it have to be the same old, same old Melvin Gordon up the gut? Like try something like fake that, and do a, like the touchdown for uh, that was wiped off the board in Vegas by the Noah Fant holding call, where it was a fake inside, lock boots out, touchdown, something like that, something a little bit more imaginative. The Broncos guys were 11 weeks into this season. They have one fourth down conversion, one. Hmm. Come on. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I don't really mind running the ball on third down, but why an inside run? How about a toss? How about a screen for Phillip Lindsay? How about something a little more creative? But if that's the worst we can say about Pat Shermer and a Broncos win, it's not too bad. All right, we got Richie. Uh, Richie, Richie, jumping in up in Canada. Love you, buddy. Good to see you. That's a luscious beard, dude. I don't think I ever realized how legit your beard is, my dog. Good for you. Call me crazy, he says. This is a top target for the Manscaped read right here. <laughs> this is Richie, man. He needs that. When you've got that luscious beard, you got to keep it nice and trimmed. Use that code HUDDLE. Call me crazy, says Richie. The O-line killed it. The defense killed it. Lock, meh. Yeah, I mean, anytime with Lock, the, the inaccuracy deep and the one interception, especially to start the game, that's why you can't perfectly credit him with having like – this wasn't a statement-type performance like his his – Zach and I were talking about this right before we went live. The the week 14 game last year against the Texans where Locke, there was one pick in that game, but still it was an even performance, a dominant performance, productive, prolific points and yards. This wasn't that type of game, 
but he still did enough. Like, Zach, I'm not sure I, I get it that the offensive line played well and we've already credited the supporting cast on offense, but if the Broncos make a fateful decision to bench lock after that pick, I'm not sure Brett Rippon comes in and manages to get the same type of production out of this unit that Locke managed to do. So he didn't light up the box score with his own stats, but 270 yards and the you know he he distributed the ball where it needed to go for the most part. You know, a few of those deep plays, you're like, man, dude, you got to work on that deep accuracy. But aside from that, after that pick, I thought he played very well. That's a really good point you make. And I, I think part of the reason why the Broncos won this game is because after that interception, it took on a whole different complexion. And, and Locke played pissed off after that. And it was a different kind of Drew Locke. We, we got, we unlocked, no pun intended, the fourth quarter Drew that we want to see every week going forward. And Brett Rippon just can't make the same pass as Drew Locke can. You can be the biggest fan of the guy. He's a smart quarterback. He's easy to root for. He does not have the arm talent of Drew Locke. And Locke made a lot of passes today, especially in the second half, that kept the chains moving, set the Broncos up. Uh, the strike down the middle of Tim Patrick, for example, that stood out to me. Rippon couldn't do that. So I'm right there with you. Even though the offensive line played well, the defense was great. I don't think Locke was meh. I think he was a notch or two above meh. I, I think he was good to a, a notch b- below that, you know, so above meh, but below good. And it's good enough for the Broncos. If they have that defensive play and the running game gets going, you can win with meh. You can win with good. It doesn't have to be all pro. Well said. Jaden Torres jumping in. Thank you for that super chat. He says, great Broncos win with the DUI earlier in the season. Can we get out of the Gordon contract in the offseason and give the money to Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how all that works. That's that maybe we need to get Bob Morris on here to talk contracts and money and you know loopholes and stipulations. I know that there was some doubt in terms of that um DUI perhaps uh canceling out some of the guaranteed portions on his salary, but I really don't think the Broncos are thinking that way. I think the Broncos are going to ride out this two years with Gordon and they'll RFA tag Phillip at the end of this year. And they won't make a decision on both those guys, in my opinion, in my estimation anyway, till 2022. Plus, you know, they gave 13 million or 13 and a half, I think, whatever it was to Melvin Gordon guaranteed. So they're already paying him anyway. And they're going to look at the production. And I know he has four rushing touchdowns. He is the Broncos quote-unquote RB1, I think they will keep him on board next year just because he's already part of the team and they're already paying him. And listen, I'm not advocating, I don't think Chad's advocating to make uh, Philip Lindsay like an Ezekiel Elliott, give him $90 million over five years. You don't invest on a running back like that. But take care of the guy a little bit. If you can re-up Chris Harris Jr. last year, give him $3 million as an incentive, why not take care of a homegrown guy who has zero career fumbles, as opposed to Melvin Gordon, who has four this season, who's your biggest spark plug, who's a homegrown guy, who's amazing for the fan base, amazing for the team. Give him a two-, three-year contract. Give him some nice guaranteed money. Doesn't mean you have to cripple the salary cap. I know he's a running back, but God, what more does it have to take for hashtag pay Phil? Pay Phil. (laughs) Naj jumping in with an extremely generous super chat wow. off the top rope. Thank and, you, Naj. Uh, you know, Naj, like so many of our, our superstars here in the MHH community, they're here through thick and thin, man. And they're supporting the cause. They're supporting their team. And they're supporting MHH and allowing us to continue to bring this content on the regular uh, day in, day out. So, Naj, love you. Appreciate you. And you're another guy, man. Reach out to us. Mile High Huddle at Gmail or DM me on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook. Get me your personal deets. Let's get you out a T-shirt or a hat or something. Uh, so hit me up. 
He says, fantastic win, brothers. Really a dominant performance. Once again, closer than it should have been. Locke rebounded after the <clears throat> early interception, which may bode well for his future. Thankful for the win. Yeah, it, it really was closer than it should have been because at worst, this should have been a – what was the final score? It was 20-13. to 13. This should have been 23-13. That the Bronx left for sure three points undisputably on the on the table by going forward on fourth down in a chip shot range for Brandon McManus. Yeah, a win's a win's a win though. So whether it's by seven, ten, or you know forty points, they upset the Dolphins. I think that's important. But you know, it, again, it was very much complimentary football to years you term, Chad. And when you play that well on defense, and that's become the Fangio standard for the most part. But when you complement that with a decent offense, a Met offense, with a Met quarterback, you can see what Locke can do. And Chad, Locke might be the quarterback you have to manufacture. You have to have just excellent coaching around him. Our biggest question was, is Pat Shermer that guy to manufacture him? Is Pat Shermer that guy to develop him? And the answer to this point has been no. But if he does more like he did today, that answer could definitely change to yes. I I like what I saw from the entire operation, not just one guy or the other. Mark Langley, this guy, this is our dog right here. Goes way. We, this is a cat that goes way back. You know, Mark. We we didn't know Mark until we started taking the podcast in, into uh, live streams, and ever since we started doing that, something like September of of 2019, Mark has just been an ardent supporter and hardcore Broncos fan and, and listener, and a bona fide super chat superstar. MHH Mount Rushmore. It's good to see you, my dog. He says, "What's up, my guys? Simmons, pay the man." Great team win. Locke uh, Locke looked good despite the interception. He bounced back. The running game was great. Hashtag huddle up pod. Zach, how important was it that Locke showed not just that he could overcome the adversity of the last two weeks, but the adversity in game where, I mean, it was off the bat, another pick. I mean, he comes off a game in which he throws four picks, throws a pick on the first possession I think most quarterbacks in that situation, they crumble. They go into a shell. Yeah. Even if the, the, the coaches say, no, we're going to keep you on the field for now, they go into a shell, they crumble. It's unraveling. It's Weezer and the sweater song. Okay, that's what happens here. <laughs> All right, unravels. So shout out to you, Mark and uh, Zach. It was really encouraging. I think it showed that emotional, you know, when I talk about cashews and grapefruits to use your, your uh, vernacular here. But to see him overcome that that adversity is extremely encouraging. But to me, it's nothing I didn't already know. I knew that Locke is a guy who overcame mental hurdles, and I know Locke is a guy who's always been kind of counted out being a second-round pick and not getting the fanfare of last year's quarterback class. He's always kind of bounced back. And I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, if he's proven anything, it's that he, he's not Paxton Lynch. He's not such a mental uh, – I, I don't know how to say this nicely – or PC, an inferior player – to Drew Locke as a quarterback mentally. Locke, he gets in his head sometimes, but he has a, a an excitement, a spark to him. Paxton Lynch would get in his head and just crumble. So Locke's always bounced back, and he's always going to be able to overcome the, the haters, hashtag let him hate. It's just putting that together consistently and building off the positive and foregoing the negative. That's his biggest thing. NH5 jumping in. Appreciate that super chat, my friend. It's good to see you. He yeah. says that was a squeezer at the end. It was like watching a monkey – Shermer, learning how to use tools, <laughs> was a good team win up to top to bottom. All phases yep. showed up. You know, it's funny, uh, the squeaker aspect of it. What what were you thinking when they when they sat Tua down and Fitzpatrick was inserted? What went through your head? 
I thought Tua was hurt because I thought they'd be crazy to take out their guy. I mean, once you do that, Chad, how do you sell that back to him? How do you maintain that confidence? He's your first-round rookie quarterback, and he was undefeated, and you're going to take him out of a game that's still within kind of striking distance. I thought he was hurt. Then I thought they really weren't sold on Fitzpatrick. I mean, they weren't sold on benching him. It seemed like they did it almost out of a a gesture of goodwill to Tua. So I, the Broncos defense put it to him. I- Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I think the Dolphins were looking for a last-second spark, but as a a person who's watched the Broncos develop their own young quarterback, I wonder about Tua's confidence and what that did to him, having to get sat down again for a veteran like Fitzpatrick. I mean, Brian Flores has been impressive this year, and he's probably in the running or at the top of the list for coach of the year. But I agree with you that unless he was legit hurt and that last sack he took from Chubb, Chubb got him and his foot kind of twisted mm-hmm. weird. He might have been hurt, but that the optics of him standing on the sideline, if your foot is injured, you're not you're, you're the trainers are not letting you stand on the sideline. So I think this was more of a coaching decision to try and come from. They thought they had a better chance coming from behind with Fitz than they did mm-hmm. to a Dennis. Good to see you, my dog. Rock uh, rocking the MHH dad hat. Like a boss, I miss you on Twitter, but I understand why you decided to dip out and, and cancel your Twitter. But it's good to see you in the stream, and we appreciate your support. He says, the best full game so far. Good defense, good offense, good offensive line, good coaching. Hopefully, it'll continue. Yeah, let's real quick, let's run through the wins. They beat the Jets on the road, a very uneven performance. Overcame <clears throat> with Brett Rippon, what was it, minus three on the, in the turnover differential. Then it was the Patriots game where it was six scoring drives, all of them field goals. The comeback against the Chargers, overcoming a 21-point deficit. And then this, I would say, yeah, in terms of the wins that they put on, you know, the skins on the wall this year, this was their most impressive, most complimentary, most complete win as a team. 
I mean, they beat the Patriots, who were still the Patriots, and they're not the Patriots of old, but they're still, you know, pretty formidable. They beat the Chargers, who are one of the more ascending teams with a hot shot quarterback in Justin Herbert. And they beat, this is the crowning achievement of this season so far. And I think of the Vic Fangio era as beating a Dolphins team. Yeah, they're the Dolphins, but they're not the Dolphins that your brother's Dolphins. They're a young, talented team. Like Chad hit on with a great head coach in Brian Flores, who has a team prepared every week. The Broncos simply, I think, outclassed them today. They outmaneuvered them. They outplayed them. The Broncos took it to a Dolphins team. And if Tua wasn't hurt, that's what they should hang their hat on. Their defense was so good. They forced his benching. The guy who was 3-0 and taking the NFL by storm, they forced his benching. It reminded me last year of benching Mariota for Ryan Tannehill in the Tennessee game. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that because I, on the last time you were talking, that occurred to me. I almost came back with that as well. I thought of the Tennessee game. The big difference there, though, of course, the Broncos shut out the Titans in that game, and it was just ugly. Uh, Royal jumping in. It's good to see you, Royal. And we really appreciate your support. In Anytime I see you in the stream, Royal, you're showing support on Super Chat and just know that it means a lot to us. He says, if people want to take anything from this game, it's that – this team has huge amounts of potential. Now, look, Zach, and I agree, Royal. Thank you. This is not a um, – this was not some prolific scoring operation today. This was a this was a team that everyone had counted out. I mean, even the odds makers, we love sportsbetting.com. They had the Broncos as four-point dogs in this game, and they overcame it all against some serious adversity, big-time doubters and boo-birds in the, on, on local Denver radio and TV – and just the overall, even the national, I mean, everyone dismissed the Broncos. They came back and proved, hey, we've got the horses here. We're still figuring ourselves out. We're still kind of figuring out how this particular orange and blue sausage gets made, but we're going to make it. You know, I think the big thing today, and I don't want to make any grand statements here or get too emotional based on one game, but one thing we've been hammering is the Broncos haven't had an identity and I think today they discovered what the identity at least could be or should be. That's a average or maybe an above average offense if everything works in harmony and a really elite defense. They're kind of like the Chiefs in reverse. And if they can just play this way consistently and, and build off their identity, they can compete with most teams in the NFL. And I agree with the comment. We've known they've had potential. This is why Chad and I both predicted double-digit win seasons and a playoff berth. This team was loaded with young potential. And the injuries and the pandemic and the coaching and the play kind of stifled that. But when they click on cylinders, all cylinders like today, uh, they're pretty fun to watch, i got to say. Uh, we've got here, I'm, I'm pulling up these stats because I do want to go over a couple things here. But, John, there was another – Jeff Hepner jumped in again. I don't know if you see that one. I'm trying to pull it up here. I can uh, reverse engineer it if we need to. And then we got AJ and we got Zeus is in the house. Uh, but I want to point to a couple things here real quick. Timmy P, I think this is his third uh, 100-yard receiving game of the season over here. Um, of course another took, extension candidate. Yes. Yes. And it took a 61-yard – you know, bomb on the final play to kill four seconds, but to get him over that 100 yard mark. But even without that, you take it away. He's got four receptions, 60 something yards going against a really stiff uh, Dolphins secondary. And honestly, those coverages, man, that they were throwing at lock, the Hmm. fact that he was able to complete 18 to 30 and and pass for 270 yards, like it, it is a modest achievement. Now it's maybe it's nothing to write home about, but that was imp- impressive in its own right. And you saw that right out of the gates, all that moving around pre-snap on third down, like it completely frazzled Drew Locke. Like 
Yeah. I think it directly led to obviously the timeout, and then it led to the pick. Like he just it threw him off his game. Uh, Tim Patrick, though, I mean, some of us have been saying this for a while. This guy can ball, and he's not Cortland Sutton, but he's not too far off that either. And going up against the Dolphins secondary, you mentioned it, Chad. They have Byron uh, Byron Jones, and they have Xavier Howard, and they have Brian Flores' as defense. That is not an easy task for him to put up those yardage. Even if you take away his big gainer, that's a solid outing for a guy who's very much overlooked by a lot of the NFL. I'm a big Tim Patrick fan. Again, not a guy you break the bank on, but like a guy like Malik Reed, a very solid contributor who I think's earned a payday from Denver of some sort. Jeff Hepner jumping in again. Appreciate you. He says, love you, fellas. We love you too. The problem isn't Locke. He's legit. When we motion and protect the quarterback, he is for real. Hashtag in Locke, we trust. Zach, one thing from this game that was just made apparent, and I mentioned this um, in, during the halftime stream is I, I'm to a point now where even though he can make plays on the run and off script, and I'm to a point now where when he does get outside the pocket, I kind of inhale and I, you know, hold my breath because I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's not good. Like you can say that about Patrick Mahomes, but you kind of know what's going to happen next. You might hold your right. breath when he breaks the pocket, but you know, it's going to, you know, eight, nine times out of 10 result in something positive for the chiefs with Locke, You just don't know. What that means, though, is, and we saw that today, when he's protected and he has the resolve and the metal and the commitment to stay in the pocket and throw off his platform, plant, step, plant, throw, the ball gets delivered with velocity, it gets delivered with accuracy, and the Broncos put themselves in position. So hopefully this is a performance overall from the offensive line that continues. And the one thing I'm worried about, Zach, and I don't mean to to put any cold blanket on this party here, is – DeMar Dotson started at right tackle. He came back. But they also, the Broncos, activated Elijah Wilkinson off of IR last night. I don't know why they chose to do it then, but because they healthy scratched him. He didn't even dress today. But still, I hope they don't make the mistake of saying, well, he was our guy to start the season. Now that he's healthy, let's put him back at right tackle. Just when they seem to be kind of jiving as an offensive line. I think they activated him uh, because of Glasgow's injury. They would have had him play guard because he has flexibility there. I I don't want him anywhere on the field, so I'm happy Glasgow was healthy. In terms of Drew Locke, though, um, I'm a big Locke fan, as most of you guys know, and uh, I think today was a stepping stone performance for him, but he has been the problem. I disagree with the comment that said he hasn't been the problem. He has. Last week was a deplorable effort by a young quarterback. It was all on Drew for the most part. It wasn't the coaching, the offensive line. It was on Drew Locke, and uh, he's still not perfect. He missed a lot of deep balls today. His accuracy is still kind of wonky. He needs to settle things down and uh, be sharp from the opening whistle. It was a solid performance, but to say he hasn't been the problem, I can't even say that, Chad. Neither can you. And even just the – you saw it today, even on balls that he completed – it's just a half beat late. The the ball coming out, the read being made, you know, yeah. the light bulb and the ball. It's just a half beat too late. And I I remain committed to the idea that more time on task, you're going to see that gap continue to to uh, narrow to a point where he's boom, he's on point, and you're not seeing that delayed read and that delayed finally getting the ball out. I mean, even on little outlets and quick outs and uh, crossers and stuff, he's just a beat late. More time on task, and I think that'll come out. Uh, in the wash. AJ jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend, on Super Chat. And he says, lock one, two a zero. Lock one, Great Herbert comment. zero. So let's think about this just for a second. Of the quarterbacks drafted 2019 and uh, to, to 2020, Drew Locke is 3-0 and because I, f- I forget the kid's name that started for the Lions last year in week 16, but he was a rookie. 
I know he doesn't really count in terms of what the topic here, but nevertheless, let's just keep it on 2020. Locke vanquished Herbert, and it was a duel. It took freaking, you know, it took a, a, a Tebow-esque miracle at the end for for yeah. Locke to overcome the deficit. But and then Tua, Locke definitely easily played better than Tua today. David Blau, the Lions court, is that the guy from last year? Yes, hey, I remember yes. his name. It sounds like Amigos ad lib. But, you know, in terms of the the young quarterbacks the Locke is facing, I know quarterback wins is controversial. Some say it's not because of the quarterback or it's not a quarterback stat. He still got the victory, and that's what Locke can do. When he plays a little above his head and when he has things working in his favor, he is good enough to lead a team to victory. And I saw a comment in the, in the side here that says he hasn't done anything that the Broncos have won because of him. I, I choose to disagree. I think the Chargers game, they won on the strength of Locke's arm. He brought them back in that. Again, it's not enough to exonerate him or make him blameless for his struggles and his interceptions, but he has shown, I, I think, an ability to put the Broncos on his shoulder, literally and figuratively. All right, we have crossed the one-hour mark, so we got to kind of rapid-fire some of these remaining supers. We don't leave any of our superstars uh, hanging, and especially an MHH Mount Rushmore stud like Zeus McPeak. Love you, bro. Good to see you. So happy that you got a win today, and you go into Thanksgiving week with with a, you know riding high on a win. I just I love it. Appreciate you, Zeus. He says, a win is nice for a change. Should have been a blowout. Our coaches are holding us back. I agree that it could have, you know, you can go down the path of coulda, woulda, shoulda. There's still some points in the, it's some forks in the road where you go coaching decisions and coaching snafus, uh, play calls, et cetera, have affected this team's ability to really just go gangbusters. But I don't want to take away the one bone I'll pick with you, Stu, and you know I love you, but the one bone I'll pick with you is this is the first game where I can really honestly say like credit to Fangio because he, this isn't the first game to credit Fangio in terms of defense, but Fangio's defense played phenomenal and completely confounded to pressured him all day long. And Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick got some yards, but he could not get the ball in. Right. And then Pat Shermer finally shows real recognition of what he's got and how to use it. And he shows that he can adapt and change and evolve in season. And so I'm more inclined coming out of this game to tip my cap to him and say, all right, better late than never, I guess. But that doesn't absolve them, Stu, of, of your point being that, you know, coaching has held this – coaching is as much has been as much of a factor of this team's four and six start as anything else. I think the Broncos are always going to go as far as the coaching goes. And if the coaching is really good, they're going to go pretty far. And uh, in terms of blowouts and reading the box score, it wasn't that on paper. It wasn't that on offense. But I think on defense, if you boil it down to a micro level, this was a blowout win for Vic Fangio versus Brian Flores. The Miami offensive line reminded me of the Broncos' early season offensive line. They were getting blown back every single snap. Austin Jackson, the Dolphins' left tackle, was consistently racked and, and, and hurried and pressured and dominated by Malik Reed. Bradley Chubb had a great game today. The defensive line was great in the trenches. The defensive effort today by Vic Fangio was among the best I've seen in his tenure. And I think from that aspect alone, that was domination. I think that was a blowout. But a win is a win is a win. I'll take a seven-point victory. It's another thread that this game has in common with that Tennessee game, not just because there was a quarterback change, but just defensive domination on on the part of Fangio. Uh, Corey H., good to see you, my friend. Really appreciate your support, as always. A superstar in his own right. He says, I think this was Drew's best game. This was something you talked about, Zach, before we went live, that this was a statement game for Drew. Corey goes on to say, might have, be, might have had better stats against Houston last year, but this Miami defense 
much tougher. Definitely a much stiffer opponent this time around. Uh, he bounced back and was solid for three quarters. Give him more time. And definitely give him more time, Zach. The Broncos, at this stage, if they've proven anything over the last two weeks, it's that they are committed to giving him that time in 2020. Maybe a different decision will be made in 2021, depending on how these remaining games shake out. But they are going to give him the opportunity to ride this out and prove he can overcome adversity, learn on the fly, you know, try and get his his groove and, and whatnot with Shermer and Mike Shula. Today was the first time where we can kind of go, all right, we can catch the vision. But it took the coaching changing. It took the coaching emphasis and the game plan and the philosophy turning in order for that to happen, which is no coincidence. Like there's no coincidence that Pat Shermer calls a better game and Drew Locke plays better and the Broncos win. We're not right. big believers in the coincidence in, in coincidences on this podcast. Right. You know, I tweeted before we went on and I said this was a signature win for Vic Fangio. And I, I, I'm stopping short of saying a stepping stone game for or a statement game for Drew Locke. I think it was a stepping stone game for him. And some people on Twitter pushed back and said, well, the Houston game was a more defining victory for Vic Fangio. I disagree with that because, A, you had really limited film on Drew Locke as a quarterback. B, he didn't suffer the same injuries either to himself or his supporting cast. And C, you're playing, I think, uh, no, not, no question, inarguably, a much better Dolphins defense today among the best in the NFL, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. You're given no chance to beat them, and you actually do beat them pretty convincingly. So I think this was, for Vic Fangio, like I just mentioned, to dominate the trenches on almost every single snap. I think it was the best win of his tenure, and Locke, I think it was a stepping stone game for what could be, going forward, a statement season-saving effort from the young quarterback. From James on Super Chat, really appreciate that generosity, my friend. He says, close to an all-around complete game. Best game of the year for the offensive line. No sacks allowed. Yeah, it wasn't just in pass pro. That's one of the things that's so encouraging, Zach, as I serve this over to you. They kept Locke upright, no sacks, but just, I mean, it's like someone on the Dolphins um, called each starting five's grandmother and said, and, and just like, you know, read them the riot act or something because this offensive line came out like they had something to prove. And, and they did prove a lot today. The whole, the whole offense did. And can I just throw this out there about Garrett Bowles? Can we call him pro bowls? Is that, has that been claimed yet? I don't know, but I'm going to hashtag pro bowls, spread it out there. guys. I love it. Uh, Huang G. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for the super. Uh, he says 30 pass attempts, 33 rushes, perfect formula. Pat Shermer finally got his head out of his behind. Well said, Huang. And also just uh, C jumping back in again to say this is for Miles, the mascot's flight suit uh, with some fire. But, yeah, I mean, as far as uh, Huang's point, the 30 rush, the balance, it wasn't just the balance in terms of rushes to, to passes. It actually was the first time we've seen a Vic Fangio offensive coordinator call a game that fit his definition of balance offensively. And that is, you know, having the right, calling the right plays at the right times to uh, keep the defense on its heels, throwing things out in the hand seen before. I mean, I don't know if Shermer had to really dig deep into his repertoire. How many plays? I don't know if this is a Mike McCoy level, 1100 plays in the playbook type of playbook, <laughs> but he dug deep and changed. You know, he, the running game was the most obvious um component of the offense that just was completely different, not just in terms of execution and intensity, because that was on point today. But I mean, from a design perspective, it was night and day from the bland, uninspired inside, outside zone, inside, outside zone. And another thing too, is when you call the plays going back to Fangio's definition of balance down in distance, 
not being so obvious, not being so repetitive, not being so transparent, that's a step forward for Shermer. And also keeping yourself out of second and third and longs. When you have third and manageable, third and four, third and five, you can keep moving the chains. And we mentioned this earlier, the Broncos had their first five-plus-minute drive on offense for the first time since week six. They got the running game going. Their offensive line came through. Pat Shermer, was, he called his best game of the season by far. And look at their final result. Again, they only, there's only 20 points on the board, but a Broncos victory. And like Chad mentioned, we finally got a glimpse of what this Broncos offense could be, even without Cortland Sutton, when you have the running game dominating or at least doing really well against a good defense and you have Locke making plays to his receivers as a complimentary cherry on top option that is their identity play elite defense play dominating ground uh complimentary football and have Locke make enough plays to carry you home to victory I think they found themselves today in a lot of ways all right I've got a couple uh it's okay I got one right here from Dennis Woods uh perfect thanks John there he is. Again, appreciate you, Dennis. He says, I can't wait for a 2021 full offseason. Vaughn will be back. Sutton's back. Another year for Locke in the offense in the same system. How much better can we be next year? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is if you continue on this track of Pat Shermer kind of showing that he's getting a feel for this collection of talent and recognizing where he's failed and where he can be better, and it's a constant swell of improvement. That's nothing but good, not in terms of just 2020, but you want to have, you want Pat Shermer to work out. You want offensive continuity for Drew Locke if it does end up being Drew Locke again in 2021. And, you know, more likely than not, it will be Drew Locke again in 2021. You want that foundation and continuity because if that's just another thing Drew Locke has suffered from. It's another reason why, <clears throat> excuse me, why I think he ended up becoming a second round pick instead of a surefire first rounder is. He had constant turnover at the offensive coordinator position at Missouri. And, you know, it, it, it didn't allow him to fully reach his potential as a college prospect. And you could argue two years into his career now, two different OCs, it's affected his ability to reach his full potential as a pro within that two-year swing as well. I think we're, you know, when it comes to how good the Broncos can be next year, there's so many questions and dominoes that have to fall. Is it the same coaching staff? Because like I mentioned before, they're going to go as far as the coaching takes them. And with Vic Fangio in place, we can pretty much safely assume they're going to have an elite defense week in and week out, keeping them in ball games. But in terms of the offense, even with Sutton back, is Pat Shermer going to be the play caller? Is, is Shula going to be the quarterback's coach? Is Locke going to be the quarterback? Are they going to have the same offensive line? We saw today what they could be, and if Shermer can build off that, then he would go a long way toward, I think, justifying his position as Locke's developmental tool, as the as the teacher to Locke's student. But if they go back and revert to their play like the last couple weeks, you have to question whether, even for the sake of continuity, even the sake of disrupting that again, maybe bringing in a younger guy or a guy more in tune with Locke's play style, would that be more beneficial? But again, that presupposes Locke's a quarterback next year. How good can they be? Chad, we both predicted 10 and 11 win seasons, playoff, you know, the year of Drew Locke this year. We both predicted that. They can be as good as the coaching takes them. They can be very good. They haven't been to this point, but we saw an inkling today of their potential, and it's pretty bright. All right, we really do have to rapid fire these remaining Supers because I got I got some things with regard to MHH business I got to take care of on the written side, a lot of different articles that need to go up. So Darlo, jumping in, this is a name I don't recognize, Zach, on Super Chat. So welcome, uh, Dario, and thank you for your support. Yes. With a player like Malik Reed stepping up, how likely are we to move on from Vaughn, uh, and do we pay Simmons? The Simmons thing we've, we've kind of t- broached already. 
But what what are your thoughts? I haven't seen anything as, as great as I think Malik Reed has been this year. I haven't seen it, anything from him that makes me go. If I'm John Elway, yeah, time to turn the page on Vaughn. <laughs> if anything, this this year has proven to me that maybe I, you know, I underestimated how integral Vaughn is to this defense, and I think he's going to get his final year, carte blanche, Vaughn Miller with the Denver Broncos. Uh, in 2021. Hey, right, exactly. As good as Malik Reed has been this year, and today he was he was great today, uh, Von Miller is still Von Miller. And Von at even 80-90% is still way better than Malik Reed. I think Reed, though, he 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 deserves a, a, a contract extension to be paid a little more than he's, he's making about 600000 this year. But I think the Broncos finally found their number three pass rusher behind Von and behind Bradley Chubb. You don't have to get rid of them. It's nice to have insurance policies. Remember Jeff Holland? Remember Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray, all those, they, they failed those, the way they handled their third down pass rushers, their number three pass rushers. I think with the Malik Reed, at least he's a fail safe guy. If Chubb goes down again, if Vaughn goes down again, he's a great guy to have off the bench and he's proven he can be a quality pinch starter. Better than Vaughn though? No. Make Vaughn expendable? Certainly not. Uh, Scott Edwards jumping in. Appreciate you, Scott. He says, I am beyond thrilled <clears throat> to see Hamler getting more and more involved. He is our uh, Tyreek or going back our Percy Harvin. Yeah, I think he definitely has that potential. And the more this offense kind of figures out its identity and Shermer and Lockett on the same page, and if this offensive line can continue to play at this level, you're going to start seeing some of these playmakers on the perimeter, the Hamlers, the Judys, the Fants, the the Timmy P's start popping off. You're going to see that consistency uh, for those guys. And Hamler, man, you know, he's been really exciting. I, I'm He had the big game winner against the Chargers, and credit to him. But I'm still waiting for that big, dynamic, explosive, game-changing play. We haven't quite seen it yet, but I think it's coming. We haven't seen the play that justifies his second-round selection, uh, you know, in, in other words. And in terms of how they can use him, I want to see even Tavon Austin, how the Rams used to use him as just a gadget, as a weapon. You know, jet sweeps and trick plays are not really utilizing Hamler's full skill set. They're throwing screens to him. They're getting the ball in space and the ball in his hands. That's a good first step. But they can do so many dynamic things with a, a player like K.J. Hamler, and they haven't to this point. It's a little frustrating. I never would have thought that the the, the, the most common way the Broncos would use K.J. Hamler as a rookie was – on the slant routes. Like I never, if you would have asked me that ahead of time, I would have said, um, you know, jet sweeps, um, play action, deep posts, like utilize that speed and twitch slants, but he's been good in the slants, but maybe he can do more than that. Pat, uh, Carlos Oliva. Good to see you, my dog. Uh, he says, carnalitos. Good W. Does Vaughn come back this year? I really did. Uh, this year in 2020. Um, it really just depends on how November closes out because let's let's take a quick look. They got one more game in the month of November, and that's going to be against the New Orleans Saints next week. So let's say they win, just, just for the sake of this question, Zach, and you get to five and six. Because there is a seventh spot that has opened up in the playoffs, the Broncos will be in the hunt if they can get that win. I think Vaughn would come back, provided he gets cleared by the coaching uh, by the medical staff. But if they end up losing – their last game in November and they fall to four and seven. I don't know. You know, I probably put it at like 30% likelihood. Yeah. And I think even in a best case scenario, if he does come back, he'd be used as a DPR, which is designated pass rusher, third downs only, you know, pass rushing situations only. He wouldn't be a full-time contributor, especially with Bradley Chubb going back to prior form and Malik Reed breaking out this season. It'd be nice having Vaughn back, but 
at Vaughn being limited, Vaughn risking further injury, is that worth it in a non-playoffless season? Or getting Vaughn back perfectly healthy for next year and having him be just as motivated? So even if he does, don't expect him to be the Vaughn of old. It's a very limited Vaughn Miller in 2020. Bobby Digital jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate that support, Bobby. Uh, reach out for all of our Super Chat superstars. This is for everybody, but especially our Super Chat superstars. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter because we like tagging you and shouting you out after each show. Let's hope, says Bobby, we can keep this momentum next week. Amen to that because you got a Saints team that, yeah, you're without Drew Brees, but it's a very talented opponent, and it's going to be a tough task, but it's in Denver. And then Freddie D jumping in. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you. Happy and grateful for the win, but we have to stop running the ball on third and nine. You know, I think in those situations, that's just an example, Zach, of Pat Shermer being a little uh, traumatized by Drew Locke's erraticness and, and lack of ball security over the last few weeks. Uh, is he, if he continues to play like he played today, I think you'll start seeing Shermer be a little bit more. I mean, it wasn't all always a rush on third and uh, 39. I mean, again, that first touchdown drive, third and uh, 10, you convert over the middle to uh, – actually, I think it was a third and 14. It was a third and long to K.J. Hamler, and then lock on third and 14. They call a pass play. He, he rushes, stretches, tippy-toes, converts it, moves the chains. So, But, yeah, I mean, you need, you need more imaginativeness on third down than Shermer has shown for the most part throughout this entire season. There's a reason why the Broncos are ranked bottom two or three on third down. I never like personally, I'm not saying be aggressive for the sake of being aggressive, but I don't like, you know, giving up on, on series or playing not to lose or playing scared or playing prevent offense. I don't mind them running the clock there, running the ball, but why two inside handoffs? You know, how about a toss outside? How about a screen pass? Something high percentage that keeps the clock running, but gives you at least a chance to make the third down. That's the only, you know, nit we can pick with Pat Shermer. And again, if that's the only one, it's not too terrible. All right. Two more. And then we got to dip out starting with, Mr. Boggins, longtime superstar, helps us out now on, on the Facebook MHH Superfan Group as a, as a moderator. Good to see you, my friend. He, he says, Zach, are you ready to eat some crow on dot, 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 Simmons? Thought I was going to say Shermer. LOL. Nope. Still bad. Um, Simmons, I'll eat some crow on that because I've been, you know, you get the, these articles from PFF and the grades. You know, he's a top graded safety and you get all these different um, hype articles on Justin Simmons. I haven't seen the play matching those grades, unlike last year. The play matched the number one, number two, number three safety uh, grades that, that Simmons was garnering. But these last few games, he's he's the play is more closely matching the grades you're seeing from PFF. So I'll eat some crawl on that, Zach. Well, I mean, with Garrett Bowles, you know, relatively speaking, I took the whole crow and put it in my mouth. I ate the whole crow raw. With Justin Simmons, uh, maybe I'll eat a forkful, but even even that, Chad, it's like he had a nice pick today, but he's still kind of a liability in coverage. He was a step slow last week on the Jacobs touchdown. We all remember the Darnold play this year in the Jets game. He's been like a, a top 10 safety, but more toward the bottom, you know, nine or 10 than a top three guy. So I'm not really, really eating that much crow on Justin. When he changes a game when he has a game turning play, not just, you know, the interception today, then I will eat more crow on him, but to pay the guy 15 a year, would you do that? Mr. Boggins? I certainly would. Not. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the fence on that particular topic right now. TBD to be decided. Right. Dale rude. Two more, one from Dale, one from Kenneth. And then we got to go. Dale says, I still think we need to see Gordon and Lindsay on the field together at times. I just don't know. There's so many playmakers on this offense. Like, pick your poison in terms of Pat Shermer. It's it's really a smorgasbord. 
the more you overthink it, I think the less you get, the farther away you get from where you really need to be as a play caller. And that is kiss, keep, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, they've, uh, what are you going to do with Gordon Lindsay on the field? Like, what are you going to run? Are you talking about a passing play? Because as a running play, Gordon's not going to lead block for Lindsay. And we sure right. as hell know Lindsay can't lead block for anybody. So I get what you're saying though. Creativity, utilize them more. And today was the first time, like you really noticed, Hey, guess what? Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are on the same team together. Like this was the first time that that was made patently obvious and evident. So thank you, Dale. And then last one here from Kenneth, we got to go. He says, I like the quick pass to Judy. <clears throat> he made a move uh, for seven. I'm not, oh, for seven yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Judy, uh, you know, Judy today, Zach, I'll, I'll get your take and then we'll dip. Judy today was an, a quintessential Jerry Judy rookie game. Had a couple of two or three nice plays and then disappears. But by and large, I think Judy, I mean, if you compare Judy's rookie season to Cortland Sutton's, not even close. Cortland Sutton played really well to open his rookie year. Then they traded DT. And then he was expected after Sanders went down to be the man. He wasn't. He was basically disappeared down the stretch in 2018. Whereas Jerry Judy was asked out of the gates, you got to be our number one, basically, even though Patrick's kind of grown more into that. The onus has been definitely on Judy and he's been a more consistent producer uh, than Sutton was as a rookie. So I think that speaks well to what the future holds for Jerry Judy. Yeah, a lot of Broncos fans, or I shouldn't say a lot, but some Broncos fans were down on him considering his lack of production. Then you watch the Cowboys-Viking games today. Uh, C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson both caught impressive touchdowns. Uh, when you have rookie receivers like that in the same draft class, they're balling out, and your own guy's not doing so well, you're going to hear the criticism. Today he went uh, three catches for 37 yards on eight targets. His long was 22, so you know he made 22 yards on those three catches. He had a couple drops. He's still learning as he goes along. I don't think his chemistry there with Drew Locke is down yet, Chad. I think Locke's chemistry is a lot more further along with KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, uh, even Melvin Gordon on passing plays, and it is with, with Jerry Judy. That's going to come with time. He's still an explosive guy. You see his footwork. He makes yards out of nowhere. He will be okay. Just give him some time. All right, guys. We have to get on out of here. Thank you so much to each and every one of you for spending some time with us here Tonight on the Gut Reaction episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, a mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. We love you. Also, mile high salute to our Facebook supporters. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod and the main account at Mile High Huddle. Follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. And John, KMHH, John, before we dip out, you want to come on? I almost forgot. You want to, you want to say hi to the gang? All right, he's, he's not ready, so it's all good. But John K on Twitter, at John K-A-Y-M-H-H, the producer that keeps everything humming uh, behind the ones and twos. We love you, John. Appreciate you. And Chad, he was the only one predicted victory. Let's give John a little, Ooh, a little thank shine you. right now. Thank you for reminding me. I almost forgot. We were talking about this after we, we completed the uh, halftime stream. Uh, it's looking like the Broncos are going to win this. And, and Zach's like, yeah. Yeah, no one picked him. John's like, I picked him. I picked the Broncos. <laughs> John doesn't uh, – you know, he does, he's not – uh, his first focus is not writing. Let me just put it that way. His focus is producer on on the pods and, and on YouTube and stuff like that. So he's not included in the written version of the Mile High Roundtable, but he is on record of picking the Broncos. He was the one, the only MHH staffer this week that picked the Broncos to win. So tip your cap, Mile High salute Absolutely. to John Kay. Uh, props to you, my friend. Hey, guys, don't forget, you got Black Friday rolling up on you. Get on the Manscaped code right now. Use Huddle. Get the uh, the lawnmower. Get the weed whacker for the nose. 
It's a, it's a great gift. 20% off plus free shipping. Um, get your Christmas. You're wondering what to get the dude that, that Broncos country, a uh, fanatic, something for Christmas. That's, that's the answer right there. Uh, and then guys, before you dip out, like this video it helps so much. And if we did a good job for you tonight, share it out there. But Zach, we'll, uh, we'll be back tomorrow night for the aftermath and kick off a, a week, a Thanksgiving week of podcasting here at MHH. So we'll see how the, the dust settles, so to speak, but uh, have a great start to your week, bro. You too. And as you say, we'll let our hair down tomorrow's episode, analyze the game and get more into it. So see you guys then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.